like the sweet and the bitter and the sour. One sound appearing in different kinds of notes, one smell appearing in different kinds of fragrances, all of this is the vibhuti. How one becomes many, how one appears as many, that's called vibhuti. Vi and bhuti. Bhuti means bhavanam, becoming. Vi means vividham, various. Becoming variously is called vibhuti. So Lord Krishna explained how he has become variously, how he has become the whole universe. He said how he is the internal world of thoughts and feelings and emotions. Buddhi, jnana, masammoha, kshama, satyam, damaha, shamaha. All these various thoughts and feelings taking place inside. Matteva, prasak, vidaha. All these emotions or all these uh, dispositions that arise within oneself, Lord Krishna says, all of them arise from me. Which means that I alone manifest as all these various thoughts and dispositions in the mind. That means I am the very being, I am the very creator, I am the very material of the internal world. And Lord Krishna in an interesting way also explain how he is the external world. So this whole external world of beings, the beings are mobile and immobile. These beings is said to emerge from all the rishis. This is the idea. In India, it is said that all the living beings have come out from the rishis. As I said yesterday, that's the reason why everybody in India can trace their source to some first person, some first sage. <coughs> and these rishis themselves, or we can say that, if you look at the universe, we see the manifestations of knowledge everywhere and manifestation of power. So knowledge and power has become the whole world. Everything possesses knowledge and power. So you and I and whatever it is, is manifestation of knowledge or intelligence and power. So rishis, rishis is sages, means the knowers. So they represent the principle of knowledge. And manus, manus, manus are the kings or the rulers whose job it was to follow the dharma and to make sure that everybody follows dharma. So they were the rulers. They represented what we call the power. So Lord Krishna says in the beginning of creation, I brought to manifestation these rishis and the manus. That is all those possessing the knowledge and those possessing the power. Madhavaha, manasajataha. They were all born of my mind, born of my sankalpa. I was born as them. Just as the whole dream is born of my own mind, my own thoughts, similarly also, Lord Krishna says, in the beginning, I was born, or I manifested as these rishis and the manus, that is those possessing the knowledge and possessing the powers. Well, where did they get this knowledge? Where did the rishis get the knowledge? Madhavaha. On account of identification with me. So in fact, because of their meditations and identification with me, because of their deep devotion to me and deep identification with me, so whatever we identify with, that's what we become. Whatever thought we entertain, that's the whole idea of meditation. So whatever it is that I identify with, that's what I become. They, they meditated upon me, identified with me, and therefore the rishis got the knowledge that I am. And as manus, on account of their penance or austerities, identification with me, got the power that I am. And so Madhavaha, it's my knowledge alone that is manifest in the rishis or sages, it's my power, the ability or energy that is manifest in these manus or the rulers. Yesham, Lokema, Prajaha, and from them all these Prajas, all the living beings have come out. That means here Arjuna, this whole world of living beings is nothing but my manifestation. So this sequence was shown, who is God? 
God, what we call the Saguna Brahma. So the creator, sustainer, dissolver, who is he? Nothing but the repository, the very abode of the of all the energy and all the knowledge. Ichha Shakti, Kriya Shakti, Vijnana Shakti. So everybody, every living creature possesses a little fraction of the power of knowledge. Every creature possesses a little bit of power of action and the power of will, the power of desire. The Lord is the one that possesses these powers in the totality. So Lord Krishna is I, the embodiment of the knowledge, embodiment of the power to know, power to desire, power to act. All that power alone is manifest in the world of the living beings. That means I am the self of all. Just as the clay can say, I am the self of all these pots and pans. Or the water can say, I am the self of all these waves. So Lord Krishna says, I am the self of all these living beings, all the creatures. <coughs> that is, this is my vibhuti. Water says, I have become these hundreds of waves. Golds have become so many ornaments. Like in the seventh generation, our head figure can say, I have become all these family, you know, all these descendants of mine. Hundreds of descendants that are, I have become them. So also Lord Krishna says, I have become the whole universe. Recognize me. And so, as we said, the way to recognize him is, if we give up our uh, preoccupation with the appearance, with the form, that means, if it doesn't matter to me which form the Lord comes in, then I can see him in every form. Inasmuch as I am identified with my own form, therefore, all I can appreciate or I can perceive are just the forms and names. And I fail to make note of the one that manifests through names and forms. So Lord Krishna says, all the forms, all the names, all the powers, all the abilities are all my manifestation. It doesn't matter what form it is. What it is, is I alone as manifesting. This is called vibhuti. Etam vibhutim yogam cha mamayo And thus mama vibhutim, this becoming many, this glory of mine, this manifestation of mine in this whole universe, Yogam and my ability, my power of the omniscience, omnipotent, omnipresent, which alone is manifest. Yoveti tattvataha, one who knows it as it is in reality, saha avikampena yogena yujjate natrasamshaha. There is no doubt that this devotee of mine becomes united with me in, in an unswerving union. So he enjoys with me an unswerving union because he recognizes me as whatever is outside also is I. Whatever is within also is Lord. And the devotee who thus recognizes then gets united with him. It is an unswerving yoga. Of course, the most unswerving yoga is when God is known as a self. So even what we call Saguna Brahma, that is Brahman or God with attributes, is of course the first type of knowledge. To recognize all the attributes belonging to God, or God manifests all the attributes, including my own attributes. And second step is to know him as myself. This is how Bhagavad Gita presents. First to know Saguna Brahma, Brahmana God with the attributes, with as, as many names and forms. And then ultimately to know him as my very self. So Avikampa Yoga, the unswerving yoga, unswerving union or abidance in the Lord is possible only when the Lord is known as my own self because no effort is needed in, on my part to be aware of myself. For me to be aware of something else always needs an effort. 
because I must bring into operation my sense organs, so my mind, some effort is always required if I want to think of something else. However dear that is, and still some effort is always required. However, for me to be aware of myself, no effort is required. That's why if you ask a question, hey, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Are you conscious? Yes, I'm. How do you know you are there? How do you say you are conscious? I know it. Because to know that I am requires no effort. That is called self-effulgent. That being, that I am, that fact is self-revealing. That I am conscious, the fact is self-revealing. And therefore, no effort is needed on my part. Therefore, when I recognize that I am, that I am, that I am, and that I am conscious, that pure existence that I am, the pure awareness that I am, itself is God. The God, that alone, that existence that I am, that awareness that I am, that intelligence that I am, that love that I am, that alone is the whole universe. That's the recognition. Ultimately, the devotee recognizes that who am I? What is the nature of I? Such existence, chit awareness, intelligence, happiness, love, wholeness, that's what I am. That what is this world? It's nothing but the manifestation of that wholeness. That very wholeness that I am is manifest as the universe. Internal universe of thoughts and external universe of objects. That existence that I am manifests as the internal world of thoughts, external world of objects. The con- intelligence that I am manifests as the internal world of thoughts, external world of objects. That love that I am, beauty I am, happiness I am, wholeness I am, harmony I am, that alone is manifest as everything. Thus I recognize, first I recognize God everywhere, then I recognize I everywhere. And that is the Avikampa Yoga, the unswerving union with the Lord. Not the Samshaya Arjun, there is no doubt about this. <coughs> How does this unswerving union happen? Lord Krishna describes it in next four verses, from the eighth verse, on the page nine of our booklet. Aham sarvasya prabhavaha, aham sarvasya prabhavaha, matta sarvam pravartade, matta sarvam pravartade, iti matva bhajante maam, iti matva bhajante maam, buddha bhava samanvitaha, buddha bhava samanvitaha. The second line says, Iti Matva, knowing thus, Maam Bhajande, they worship me, they adore me. Who? Buddhaha, the wise people, Bhava Samanvitaha, endowed with that Bhava, endowed with that feeling, endowed with that emotion, the spirit of the devotion. So these wise people endowed with the devotion. Maam Bhajante, they worship me. <coughs> so here Lord Krishna says how knowledge becomes the means of worship. How knowledge becomes a means of worship and how that worship becomes means of knowledge. As far as Saguna Brahma is concerned, that is as far as God as creator, sustainer, dissolver, possessed of all the attributes, omniscient, omnipotent, as far as that God is concerned, the knowledge of that God becomes a means of his worship. 
that creates in me the devotion for the Lord. And that devotion of worship becomes the means of which knowledge? Knowing that God is myself. So we should know this, 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 this debate is always going on. Which is superior? Knowledge superior or devotion superior? Not that two are different, but then they always fight with each other. And therefore, those who call themselves bhakta or the devotees, they will say that the knowledge is a means of devotion. And the, the people wedded to knowledge, the Vedantins, they will say the devotion is a means to knowledge. Both are right. Knowledge is means to devotion. It is not so. More I know about the person. If the person is good, of course, more I sometimes, more we know than, you know, uh, as long as I love you and then I love you, more you know. But then, if the person is really good, then more I know about the person, more intimately I come in contact, more reverence arises in my heart, more love and sense of gratitude arise in my heart. Particularly, not only that person is great, not only do I know the greatness of the person, but when I recognize that the person loves me, cares for me, that's more important to me. Not only person is great, that's all. Then I have admiration for the person. When I recognize that that person, the great person, in fact, loves me, cares for me, has always, in fact, always helped me, that he is my well-wisher. As I come to know, then that sense of gratitude and the reverence and the devotion and the love, they become manifest in my heart. So that is how knowledge of the attributes, knowledge of the qualities, knowledge of the greatness becomes a means of discovering the love or devotion from my heart. This is very important. That's the reason why we listen to the glories of the Lord. That's why Katha Shravanam, we listen to the Katha. We listen to the stories of the Lord. We listen to his uh, sports. We listen to his exploits. And thus in every culture in India, so many Puranas are there. Bhagavata Purana, Ramayana, Mahabharata, so many things are there. And we listen to them. It's of course very enjoyable to listen even to the stories. But then through the stories what we are told are the glories and the greatness and majesty of the Lord also how the Lord is, is the self of all and how His love and grace is available to everybody, how He always showers His grace upon everyone without any expectations, how I as an individual is always the recipient of His grace, whether I know it or not. In the world, of course, that I will be done, somebody will do favor to me when I return the favor. In the world, usually the relationship is one of give and take, but I give something, I receive something. But here is a relationship of all that I am receiving without even my knowing. I do not even know that, as I said, even before I was born, everything was done for me. Every preparation was done for me, for me to sustain my life and grow. And as I was growing at every step, whatever was required was always provided to me. And I don't even know that every moment as Swami says, each one of us enjoys that grace. That heart, you know, is sobbing, love, 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 is sobbing. And who does that? How that heart, the pump, namely heart, how does it function? How there is intelligence in every DNA? And how every moment, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. When we look at anything, we look at how the body functions, look at how every atom functions, look at how every, the whole thing functions. Not only it functions, but functions such a way as to in fact help me, serve me. And thus we see the whole universe is so designed and so created 
has to all the time support me, nourish me, nurture me, help me. And so it is not merely mechanical creation. The science may look upon that as a mechanical creation. But Vedantists don't look upon it as a mechanical creation. It is creation out of love or creation out of ananda. As Taitriya Upanishad says, Ananda Dhyavakha Vimani Bhutani Jayante Anandena Jatani Jivanti Anandam Prayanti Abhisam Vishanti The whole universe is born of ananda, wholeness, happiness, fullness. It's sustained by that wholeness and fullness and it goes back into that. Which means that this is nothing but the manifestation of wholeness or fullness or ananda or love. So this is the cause of the creation, not some mechanical matter, some material principle. Cause of the creation is something that is very live, something that, as I said, has concern for me. <coughs> so thus, as I understand or learn, thus the glories of the Lord, His greatness, His majesty, His love, His kindness, His grace, and more and more I learn about it, more and more the devotion is invoked from my heart. So in this sense, we say that the knowledge is a means of discovering love or devotion. <coughs> and then that devotion ultimately becomes a means of knowing the God as myself. That whole process is described by Lord Krishna in these four verses. In the eighth verse we just read, Aham Sarvasya Prabhavaha Mattas Saram Pravartate Buddhaha. Buddhaha means the wise people. So people who know the realities of life. Lord Krishna says, they know me. How do they know me? Aham sarvasya prabhavaha. I am the prabhavaha. Utpattihi. Prabhava means utpattihi. See, I am the very cause, I am the very origin of the whole universe. Prabhavati asmadati prabhavaha. The one from whom something originates is called prabhava. Means the cause. I am the very cause of the whole universe. I am the very origin of the universe. From me the whole universe has emerged. All right, suppose the universe emerged from the Lord. Now where is he? Does he have any role to play as far as the functioning of the universe is concerned? When we say that God is the cause of the universe, fine, maybe the universe emerged from him. Now does he have any role to play with reference to functioning the universe? He says, yes, matras sarvam pravartate. Everything is prompted by me, activated by me, stimulated by me. So wherever we see any activity, understand that, that activity originates from him. So not only the universe is created from me, but I am the one that runs the whole universe also. Wherever you see any activity, either in a living being or in, a, in an inert thing, understand that all that activity is nothing but originating from the Lord, who is a very intelligence, who is a very awareness, and therefore, who is the very source of all the energy, all the action. <coughs> Understand that we are talking about Saguna Brahman. We are talking about Brahman, God, who is creator, sustainer, dissolver, possess omniscient, omnipotent, what we call Saguna Brahman or Brahman, endowed with all the attributes. <coughs> it is that that is creator. That Nirguna Brahman cannot even be said to be creator. Even the creator, shape, etc. are all attributes. Nirguna Brahma, Brahma in its ultimate Sarupa, cannot even be said to be creator or sustainer or anything at all. It's beyond every other description. Or not possessed of, free from every attribute. But here when we talk of Brahman as a cause, 
He says, I am the very material cause, I am the very intelligent cause, I am the creator as well as I am the creation, I am the maker as well as the material. Aham Sarvasya Prabhavaha. So when Lord says that I am the cause of everything, I am the origin of everything in both ways. That I am the cause, the intelligent cause. It's I who has created everything, the material cause, I who is the, who has become everything. And therefore, to know God, this is one interesting thing. He said, I am the cause of everything. See, thinking of God can be done one way, is to direct our attention from the effect to the cause. What we perceive is all the effects. But if you want to know how God is involved, then the cause of this thing. Somebody reads something. Swamiji, he behaved in a certain way. Alright, what's the cause of that? Oh, because I did something. But what's the cause of that? Ultimately, ignorance. What's the substrate on that? Ultimately, cause. When you keep on tracing the cause, it will turn out to be the same intelligence, the same awareness, same sat, same asti, bhati, priyam. That will be the ultimate cause. Aham sarvasya prabhavaha. I am the cause of everything. Therefore, nobody is the cause also. Even in our day-to-day things, you know, when we keep on saying, you did this and you did that and so forth, ultimately, who does everything? Matta sarvam pravadade. Everything ultimately is activated by me, energized by me, enlivened by me, stimulated by me, prompted by me, propelled by me. But Swami, what does it mean? That I am the self of all. I am the antaryami. I am the one who dwells within everything and then, and controls everything. So there is a very elaborate discussion in Durhadarnika Upanishad, that's called Antaryami Brahmanam, where it is said, how the Lord dwells in the very earth. Earth is the body. Earth does not know. But remaining within earth, it controls the earth. Meaning, the earth possesses earthness. That is because of the Lord, who is the very self of the earth. Very self of the water, fire, air, space, sun, moon, lightning, everything. He is the self of everyone and everything. And as a self, he governs everything, controls everything, prompts everything, impels everything. <coughs> but Swami, how about the thief then? He is committing a theft. God is doing that also, yeah? How about this murder? He committed, he, com- he murdered somebody. And he says, Matta Saram Pravatate, everything is stimulated by me, everything is ultimately activated by me. That is what he is asking, if God is asking you to do this also. He says, yes, everything is originated from me, everything is activated from me. It is true, of course, what the actual expression is depends upon that personality. The electricity is one that in fact motivates or impairs every fan to act, every fan to rotate and every light to shine. But then whether light is bright or is dull, whether fan is making noise or not, etc., is all determined by the upasi, determined by the vehicle, determined by the medium through which the electricity expresses. Without electricity nothing can run. But how it runs and what it does is determined not by electricity but by the vehicle, the appliance, the medium through which it expresses. Similarly also, the same intelligence manifests in the heart of all. In one it comes out as a saint depending upon how the personality is. 
another one it comes out as a sinner depending on how the personality is and so the variety that we see here in terms of various activities taking place all of these are determined by the personality but anyway that person that forms everything through every personality is nothing but the same intelligence aham sarvasya prabhavah mattas sarvam pravartate iti matva knowing thus maam budhaha Buddha means wise people, they know that then God alone is everything. If everything is originated from Him and everything functions on account of Him, so then when He sees, when He sees the wind blowing, what does He see? He sees the cause of the wind blowing also, it's nothing but God. Makes the wind to blow, sun to shine, the fire to burn, the earth to support, the space to accommodate. Thus he sees God functioning as all this, when he sees a, a horse running, when he sees a bird flying, when he sees a mind thinking. So what is it that provides the very motive power for everything to function? Nothing but God. And therefore, the Buddha, the wise people, they worship me, they see everything is my glory, everything is my manifestation only, within as well as without. Bhava Samanvitaha. And it is said, more we know about this glories or majesties of the Lord, that bhava. Bhava means the love. Bhava means the devotion. Devotion as well as the commitment. So, reverence as well as love, both of these. So, when we know about the greatness, the majesty, then reverence is created. At the same time, when we know about the grace, then the love is created. Or love becomes manifest. So the wise people, when they know God in this manner, as the origin of everything, self of everything, one that prompts everything, one that runs everything, then they discover that love as well as reverence to the Lord, Maam Bhajande, and they worship me. <coughs> so the wise man endowed with this vision, endowed with this bhava, endowed with this love, endowed with this reverence, Maam Bhajande, they worship me, they adore me. <coughs> and this adoring, this worshipping, how does it go on with these wise people? The ninth verse tells us that. Machitta Majjata Pranaha Machitta Majjata Pranaha Bodhayantaf Parasparam Bodhayantaf Parasparam Kathayantas Chamaam Nityam Kathayantas Chamaam Nityam Tushyanti Charamanti Cha Tushyanti Charamanti Cha So Buddha, that means wise people endowed with this love and devotion and reverence, they worship me. That means the worship is, is in fact, I mean, is endowed with knowledge. A worship is supported by knowledge. It's not just what we call the blind faith, which is also fine, I mean, there's nothing wrong in having blind faith, but still, this faith that they have, or this love that they have, is something that arises from their understanding. And therefore, machittaha, those whose minds are always in me, machittaha. So, mat means the law here. So, in me alone there is chittam. Chittam is a mind. That means all those whose mind, is, that, those, these are the people, the, the, the devotees, whose mind is always in the Lord. For the simple reason that they see Lord everywhere. 
And I said, you know, I understand the Lord as a very origin, as a material cause, as an intelligent cause, as a one that prompts every activity, every motion, every movement. Then every moment I see nothing but the play of the Lord. You know, leaf moves, I see the play of the Lord. When the wind blows, there is play of the Lord. When the flower is blooming, the play of the Lord. And when a leaf falls down, the play of the Lord. Even when I am talking, also the play of the Lord. When walking, doing anything. Every activity, nothing but is, in his mind, nothing but the play of the Lord. Mat chittaha and ever, that chitta or the mind, so those whose mind is all the time centered or focused upon the Lord. This doesn't happen right away, but this happens in course of time. So the ninth verse talks about the devotees who are very mature devotees. We start in the beginning. That's the reason why some of these worships and these uh, rituals are also there, to help us do that. It's difficult to be able to see Lord in everything to begin with. That's why we start seeing the Lord in something. That's why some image is given to us, some name is given to us, some form is given to us, something. And we start from that. And slowly and slowly that then expands into seeing that same Lord or this, you know, same majesty everywhere. But Machitaha, those whose mind all the time is focused on me, centered upon me. Madhgarapranda, that's all. They only think about Lord. And you know how this happens is because of love. It is our own experience also. <clears throat> that when we love somebody or something, how the mind automatically thinks of that. When I love my child, mind thinks, thinks about that. Oh, he's gone to school now. Oh, he must be, he must be in the bus now. He must, must be halfway. Now I think he must reach there. Oh, he must be walking to his classroom and he must be sitting there and doing this. And now the lunch time and oh, he must open his lunch box. I don't know. I guess how you meditate. <laughs> so nobody has to tell me to meditate when there is love. The reason why we are so much difficult in meditation is because there is not there. For us, meditation all very often is an obligatory duty and therefore we have to do that. <laughs> and therefore it is so difficult to fix the mind. That's why the, the Bhaktas say that the, the very motive power which enables me to meditate or think about something is love. And that's why this is necessary. Love is something that is to be discovered. It's there. Everybody is, everybody is a devotee. Because love is the very nature of the self and it's not lacking at all. Except that today it is just scattered into hundreds of things. I love my house also, love my child also, love my car also, love my job also. I love my job, Swami. I love my car. I love my children. I love this food. I love this house. I love these curtains. I love millions of things. Nothing wrong in that. But at the moment my love is just scattered into all the hundreds of things. But suppose each one of those things recognizes God. Like, oh, the beauty in the car. Oh, that is reflects. That is God. Oh, the curtains are so what a color of the curtains. So that is that beauty is God. So it is nice to love everything. But when I recognize that, why love in the curtain is not the curtain. What I love in the car is not the car. What I love in my pet or dog is not just the dog. It is that life, it is that beauty, that intelligence, existence, grace that is manifesting through that. Is it not so? And when I fail to contact that, my love goes away. Either love does not take place if I cannot contact that. When I contact that God in there, that's when the love arises, understand? Even when I love a person, when I love a dog, when I love anything, what enables me to love that? Only when I able to contact that thing. Whatever it is, that's a barrier between myself and that thing in there. So that thing in me and that thing in there, when they come in contact, 
That is when love happens. To the extent that the contact is there, to the extent the intensity of love. So whatever it is, that's a barrier, when that barrier breaks down. Oh Swamiji, I love because he accepts me in every way. He loves me, whatever it is. For me to be convinced that, you know, that I am accepted or whatever, that barrier drops. That's when the contact happens. One Chaitanya here, contact with Chaitanya there. But Swami, where is the Chaitanya in the car? It is there, in motor car also. Same intelligence, same beauty, same love comes from motor car. But then, it is easy for me to love when it is my motor car, because then barrier goes away. It's not just a motor car doesn't invoke that in me. That barrier doesn't go away. But it is my motor car. Even my dad's motor car also is okay. I mean, I can drive, but still that, give me mine. And I'm 18, I must have my car. Okay, when it becomes mine, something happens to me. The love is always waiting there. It's just bottled up. It's only stifled. It's only waiting to manifest itself when that barrier goes away. So today I require to make things mine in order for the barrier to go away. For a devotee, it doesn't make it his or hers. And I appreciate in every leaf or anything that I see. When I appreciate that beauty. And when do I appreciate? When my Raghadveshas are not there. Today I can love something or somebody when that thing or somebody satisfies my likes and dislikes. When they satisfy my likes and dislikes, then I love them. When they cease to satisfy them, I allow them. But to the extent that my likes and dislikes drop, to that extent my conditions are less and less. Today I put conditions upon everything. I can love you provided these conditions are satisfied. You must come home in time, you must do this, must not do that. When all those conditions are satisfied, then I love. When, so that's why it's so easy to love infants and small children, because they satisfy every condition. Moment they start, they grow up, they become six, five, six, seven, and then start talking, and then eight, nine, they're talking back, thirteen, fourteen, and they don't talk, and stuff like that, slowly and slowly. How you find that love just draining away? It's not that love has gone away. Lot of restrictions have come, lot of barriers have come, because my likes and dislikes are not satisfied. And therefore, it is not that I have to, I have to create love. I just have to make the love manifest. It is there, and all I need to do is to drop dislikes and dislikes, drop demands, drop conditions. Don't put conditions on anything. Not easy, but this is ideal. When can I, as I say, when can I see the beauty everywhere? When I can, when can I see manifestation of God? What is God? Existence, asti. Bhati is an intelligence. Priyam the harmony. So I can see the manifestation of that existence, the harmony of that beauty, of that love, provided my mind is open. Thus when I go in the midst of the mountains, on the bank of the river, or I go in the forest, I am watching the trees and the flowers and the blooms, and at that time my mind becomes free from all demands and conditions, everything is so beautiful. But then also, if I think that I think the, the fall colors, the foliage, you know, I think it would have been better had it been a little more red, suppose. <laughs> Moment I put some condition, immediately some barrier comes in there. I cannot but put condition, unfortunately, because of my own little smallness and insecurities, but suppose I don't. So this is a secret of love, is to drop conditions, drop these barriers, 
drops likes and dislikes then i can see god everywhere no likes and dislikes i appreciate everything is god everything is divine everything is beautiful everything is fine everything is in order so machitaha if we cannot see that at least we can put our mind every time we can ask ourselves well where is the manifestation of god here this event happens where is manifestation of god here where is harmony in that where is order in that is there harmony there is there order there i'll see it you are intent upon discovering it i'll find it because it must be there satyam must be there wherever mithya is creation god must be there wherever creation is but if i can become if i am not getting so in, uh, preoccupied with the creation part with the name and form part if i don't get hung up with the names and forms or the costume or the outer appearance then i'll be able to appreciate the, the, the actor wearing that costume machitta and thus directing the mind all the time thinking about the lord madgata pranaha those whose lives are dedicated to me prana means life madgata pranaha two ways to explain that so one is those whose lives are dedicated to me those who live for me that means that in in whose life there is nothing other than worship of me prana also means sense organs all those who perform all the actions for my sake so we have been given the organs five organs of perception and five organs of action when all the organs of perception all the organs of actions all of them are centered upon god vaani gunanu kathane shravanau kathayam in bhagavatam it is said for a devotee his vaani that means speech is only in singing the praise of the lord his ears are only in listening to the glories of the lord his legs only going to the places of worship of the lord his hands performing service to the lord and so forth whatever is given all of that is centered upon god <coughs> that's called madgata pranaha so these are my devotees whose all the senses all of these are all centered upon me madgata pranaha those who lives are dedicated to me those who live only for me that means those for in whose life there is nothing other than worshiping me my bhajanam <coughs> so bhajanam we generally when we think of bhajanam or worship we always think of some singing of the you know chanting etc which is fine that's not the only thing this how it is described when the thoughts are also centered on him actions also centered on him doesn't matter what the action is as long as the action is performed with devotion whatever action it is becomes a worship it is true that certain actions like singing glories and chanting are much more conducive to invoke that devotion but if i could perform any action of the devotion that action becomes a worship all right so much chittaha all the time thinking about me madgata pranaha all the time performing actions to me serving me that means in whatever actions they perform they see that as, a, as an offering to the lord now when they are amongst one another these devotees what is subject matter of the discussion bodhanta parasparam all the time talking about me only so when they meet each other they only talk about me bodhanta parasparam each one tells them you know his experiences even tells them about whatever he knows whatever he has thought and thus god alone is subject matter of discussion among the devotees kathayantascha maam nityam 
So, this is when equals get together. But suppose somebody comes who wants to know, a jignyasu, one who wants to know comes, kasayantasyamam nityam, then they, they talk about me only. So when they are among each other, then they discuss me, and when someone who is interested one comes, then they only talk about me. See, the ideal devotee is whose life is totally filled with God. So it's an ideal that Lord Krishna says, these are my devotees, that's how they worship me. Knowing my glories, me, all the time talking about me, all the time discussing me. Swamiji, then what else do they, then how do they live? I mean, do they, see, do they have nothing else to do? They have nothing else to do. This is the only thing they have to do. Then how can they function in their families? But then, as far as their actions are concerned, even if they perform actions for the members of the family, still for offering to the law, in that form. And so, God becomes the center of their whole existence. That must be pretty boring, Swami, but then all the time. Oh, it's an entertainment. So sometimes I ask, Swamiji, do you do something of what? What do you do for fun, you know? Do you go to movies sometimes? And do you do this? What do you do for fun? As though what you do is no fun, you know? I mean, it's taken for granted. That poor Swami, that now he has no chance, you know? I mean, no fun in his life. All the time very serious. And all the time only talking about Bhagavad Gita and Upanishad and Vedanta and was all heavy stuff. Because when we listen to that, then we get exhausted in about half an hour, you know, and we start doing It's very difficult. When this just is poured upon us incessantly like this, how long can we, how long can we absorb it? A few minutes, 10, 15 minutes, depend, everybody has their own limits of tolerance. But one hour is too long. One and a half hour is extremely long. Many people just doze up in five, ten minutes, you know. <laughs> Some people sustain for a few more minutes, you know. But I understand. So when, when you do this alone, you know, as a living, what happens to you? They are totally satisfied. They are satisfied with this. As I said, where there is love, there is satisfaction. So, when this is done with what? Love is its own reward. You need not do anything else. You need not get any other reward for love. Is it not so? Or when you cook all sort of love, then itself is a reward. When you cook or feed or do anything, when it is done out of love, then when doing itself is a reward. That itself gives me a great satisfaction. What else do you need to get satisfaction? Tushyanti, and therefore, these devotees are always reveling. That means, no, Tushyanti always satisfied, always content, always happy. Ramanticha, Ramanti means having, so Raman, Rati means thinking of something with love, that's called Rati. The Rati, that means their mental love or pleasure also comes from that, and their satisfaction also comes from this. So understand that this is full of rasa. So worshipping God or devotion to the Lord is full of rasa. Rasa means joy. Wherever there is love, there is going to be joy. Or to the extent there is love, there is extent of joy. Therefore, they are always happy. They are always content. They are always reveling in their mind. This is what the devotees do. What do you do, Lord? Do you just watch this? What do you do? Lord said, I don't, don't just watch. They are not alone. This is a partnership thing, you know. So he's very much involved in it. That's why he said, we are talking about God who is live, not just a me- mechanical stuff, you know, just, it's not a mechanical order. 
it is something live responding order how does it respond so the tenth verse says that tesham satata yuktanam satata yuktanam bhajatam preeti purvakam bhajatam preeti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam dadami buddhi yogam tam ye namam upayanti te ye namam upayanti te tesham satata yuktanam lord krishna says this devotee of mine for always yukta always centered upon me always devoted to me i see them that's all they just live for me they will think of me they whatever they do they do for me and we see description of many devotees like that many devotees when you listen when you study look when you read ramayana bhagavata and all these texts you can see an example of many such devotees who live for the lord like simple example of shabari you know in ramayana there is this old woman shabari in fact a tribal woman an outcast she didn't even touch her she belonged to that category and she was so devoted she lived in the forest and there were many hermitages many ashrams were there of many sages and she just loved them she wanted to do something for them but she cannot so she would wake up early morning before anybody wakes up and she would go and clean all their you know their their courtyards and fronts and things like that she would do all that so that nobody even knows who has done it and of course her teacher his name was matanga sage matanga so uh, he blessed her he says well sabari one day lord will come to your home lord will come to you oh, sabari says lord will come to me wow then i must be ready for him that's all so lord is ready to come so all the preparations are done they say that after lord will come to your heart just prepare your heart for his arrival that's all so that was discussed earlier in the ninth verse what are they what do you do to prepare for his arrival So Shabri started preparing. He said, "Lord may come any time." He didn't know. She didn't know when he would come. And therefore, she would every day. She had a little hut in which she was living, and so prepared. She would take this with the cow dung, plaster the you know the uh, the floor every day, and then also clean up the uh, four four um, the front yard, and go to the forest, and pluck the the ripe fruits, and go to the well. get fresh water prepare the asana and when the lord comes then this is where he will sit this oil will wash his feet this is the water that he will drink i'll give this fruits to him all of this is she goes on that's all she thinks nobody the lord will be coming here i know he will be walking with bare feet and so the, the path must be clean there should be no thorns there should be no fibers uh, so she would go a couple of miles on the path on which lord may be walking and she would clean every day and then wait didn't come next day do the same thing and wait don't think that shabri did this only on the day when lord came she was doing this for years together not that he just brought fruits on that day she would bring every day for years together satat yuktana all the time thinking of lord he must be walking he will coming on this path he will come this way he will enter here he will sit here he will sit like this that's all what chitta madhadaprana her life totally dedicated to him whatever she did was all centered upon the lord she goes to forest to get the fruits also for that she sweeps also for him she plasters also for him brings water also for him 
and she is only talk. If anybody comes to her, the only subject matter of talk also is only that. Tesham Satati Yuktanam, Lord Krishna says, when I see these devotees, this all the time centered upon me, all the time devoted to me, Bhajatam and worshipping me, adoring me. For what? Do they, what sort of reward do they want? Preeti Purvakam, out of love for me. Not that they want something from me. Many people want some benefit and they want some name and fame and power and stuff like that. And so many devotees are there, as you saw in the seventh chapter. There are many devotees who remember God only when they are in great trouble, otherwise they don't remember Him. There are other devotees who oppose God when they want some lava, some kind of a benefit they want. Oh God, I'm doing this, please make sure that I get the next contract. God, I'm going to, I'm doing this, please make sure that my son gets admission, things like that. Some people give, make an offering first and then wait for me. Some people say, if you do this, then I will offer it. So they don't make offering right away, they make offering later on. When God fulfills, God must first fulfill his condition and then I'll fulfill my condition. But these devotees, Preeti Purvakam, purely out of love for me that they do. In the sense that they just want me. As you say, everybody wants Narayana and Lakshmi. Lakshmi means the goddess of fortune and she is the consort of Lord Narayana. Everybody wants her. Everybody wants Lakshmi. Everybody wants fortune. Everybody wants his wealth. And she comes also. But she is wedded to Narayana. And Lakshmi is always restless, you know, unsteady. So she is wedded to Narayana. She comes all that. But then sometimes just go away. We don't even know when she goes away. So rather why not bring Narayana here Then Lakshmi has to come? But people don't do that. As Kabir says, everybody worships Prabhuta. Prabhuta means everybody worships my glories and my majesty. Prabhu, me, they don't worship. Even God also wouldn't worship, he didn't have that majesty. They worship my glory, my majesty, they were, because they want majesty. If they worship me, they were gotten me along with majesty, because when he comes, his majesty will come. Here majesty comes, why he doesn't come? That majesty goes away, because ultimately it's not comfortable here. Lakshmi can't be comfortable with us, she's only comfortable with Narayana, and so she'll go away. But here, they just want Narayana, they just want the Lord, they don't want anything else. Bhajadam, Pridipur, come. When I see that, what do I do? Dadami buddhi yogam tam. I give them buddhi yoga. Buddhi yoga means the wisdom, the knowledge. I give Lord Krishna says, I give them the knowledge. What is buddhi? Buddhi means wisdom. Samyak darshanam, the true knowledge. Yoga means then I didn't association with that. That means that I make them united with the knowledge. That means I give them that very knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Yenamam upayantite. Whereby, Upayanti, they come close to me. How close do they come to me? And when they, that they discover me as their very self. See, the devotees are worshipping God is somewhat different from them, still. Whenever I worship God, there is Saguna Brahma with attribute, there is a devotee here and God, the duality is there. And people are just concerned that Swami, this um, all worship is in the realm of duality. But God is my own self, how can I worship Him? But at the moment, still God is not myself. At the moment, the reality is that still I look upon God as different from me. And therefore, the worship starts in the realm of duality, my being devotee, his being God. 
and ultimately the duality is raised Lord Krishna says ye namam upayandide I give them that knowledge by which they come to me that means they discover me as their own self how do you give the knowledge the 11th verse tells us that तेषावाकंपाथम तेषावाकंपाथम अहमज्ञानजम तम अहमज्ञानजम तम नाशयाम्यात्मस्थ नाशयाम्यात्मस्थ ज्ञानदीपेन भास्वदा ज्ञानदीपेन भास्वदा Teshameva anukampartham out of compassion for them. So see, these devotees, by their very act of devotion, by their very dedication to the Lord, create compassion in the Lord. Katham nama shayasyat How to bring about their welfare? How to bring about their well-being? So this concern is created in God. Then our job is done. Our job is to make Him favorable to us. God is everywhere. When can he be known? When he becomes favorable to us. How do I become, I make him favorable to me? By worship. So by service, by worship, by the total dedication ultimately, the idea is that he becomes favorable to me. The whole universe becomes favorable to me. That order becomes favorable to me. That, that you know, the devotion, love, everything becomes favorable to me. Anukampartham is described like this. Lord Krishna says, Teshamevanukampartham Out of, so prompted by the compassion towards them. The compassion as to how they must, they, how their well-being, how their well-being will take place. How will their goal of the life be achieved. So God gets concerned as though. He becomes favorable. Anukampartham Aham Agnyanam Tamaha Nashayami Lord Krishna says, I nashayami, I destroy tamaha, the darkness, the darkness of ignorance in their heart, the darkness born of ignorance. Ignorance itself is darkness and it brings about further darkness. Ignorance is darkness that I do not know who I am, I do not know that God is my own self, I do not know that I am the, what I am seeking, ignorance of that. At the same time, further darkness. I take myself to be a limited being. I take myself to be samsari, a jiva, limited, helpless, helpless creature. That is a further darkness. That means all the various complexes about myself, wherever I look upon myself as a limited being, that is darkness. And when I look upon myself as a limited being, insecure, then the world also is either threatening to me or, or offering me security. This further darkness. Those are distorted vision about myself, various complexes about myself. This insecurity, the fear, the helplessness, the smallness that I feel about myself, there is darkness. And looking at the world as real, as a source of pleasure, as a source of happiness, security, another darkness. Looking on God as different from me, all of this is called darkness. This is called vikshepa, avaranam and vikshepa. Avaranam means revealing, vikshepa means projections. So various projections or various notions or complexes about myself, about worrying about God, this is called Agnyajam Tamaha, the darkness born of ignorance. Nashayami, Lord Krishna says, I destroy that. How do I destroy it? Jnana Deepena Bhaswata. 
It's not that God is away from me. God is in my own heart, is my own self, but does not reveal himself that way. Right now he reveals himself as a jiva, but then he starts revealing himself as he is. Atma bhavasaha. I who is seated in their heart, who is their very self, make myself manifest as their own self. And that is called the lamp of knowledge. What is lamp of knowledge? What we call viveka jnana. That knowledge that I am not this body, Viveka, the discrimination, I am not the body, I am not the mind, but I am the Rasti Bhati Priyam, I am the Satchit Ananda, and that everything is also nothing but Satchit Ananda. That's what we call the Viveka, the discrimination between the Mithya and Satyam, or the self and non-self. That Viveka, that discrimination takes place, this is called the lamp of knowledge. So knowledge always is compared to light, is compared to lamp, because lamp is that which dispels darkness. And similarly also knowledge dispels the darkness of ignorance. And the darkness of ignorance is in my heart. Lord Krishna says, I manifest myself as their own self, I become the object of their knowledge. That means the knowledge takes place, this Viveka Jnanam takes place, all the notions are dispelled, the ignorance is dispelled, and that's how by the bright lamp of knowledge, I dispel the darkness. <coughs> that means he gives the knowledge. This is very clear, you know. Who, who gets the knowledge? Do I know the Lord? Or does he make himself known to me? Here Lord Krishna says, I reveal myself to them. Because this question is always asked, how can you know the limitless? Swami, how the mind that is limited will know the limitless? I say, don't bother about those things. Here Lord Krishna says, I reveal myself to them. When the mind has become, as we say earlier described, when mind has become totally devoted to him and worshipping him only for the love out of him, then he becomes totally favorable to me. He reveals himself as his own self, as my own self, and that's how all my notions and darkness of ignorance is dispelled. Nashyami Atma Bhavastaha Jnana Deepena Bhaswata Bhaswata Jnana Deepena by the shining lamp of knowledge. Thus I light the lamp of knowledge dispel the darkness of ignorance, and that's how the ultimate knowledge to avikam by yoga. Then the devotee knows the Lord as his own self, and now therefore he gains an abidance in the Lord which is unswerving. So in the seventh verse we are told, saha avikam vena yoga yudhyate, he gets united with me with what we call the unswerving yoga. How? Let us describe in these verses. Ultimately, these devotees know me as their self and abide me effortlessly. That is called Avikamba Yoga. <coughs> so these, in these eleven verses, Lord Krishna has described his tattva. Tattva means his true nature as he is, both saguna as well as nirguna. And how first the knowledge becomes a means of devotion and how the devotion becomes a means of knowing him as a self. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purna
ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾದಾಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶ್ಯಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂವಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓ